of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast, will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today's episode is titled, Hit a Lick. But before we get to that, I want to introduce y'all to somebody that's really special. This is a young lady who did a podcast. Now, she's five years old, and she wanted to do a podcast as part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And so, they brought her into a studio, and she did it. And... Let me introduce you to her right now. My name is Aska. Aska Sharif. I am five years old. I am in kindergarten at Stevenson School in Des Plaines. And I am doing a podcast on a story I wrote. The name is The Stealer of the Diamond. Listen to this episode of Azka's Mystery Podcast, written and created by five-year-old Azka. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, y'all, so there you have it. And I would certainly encourage you to go and download this beautiful young lady's podcast that she wrote herself. How amazing is that? Five years old. And Azka, certainly... Wish there were more kids out there like you, sweetie, and we love your podcast. And so all you lifers out there, real life, real crime, go give it a listen and a like. Of course, if you're going to want to give it a five-star review. She's just something really, really special. So that being said, we are going to get started with today's episode. Now, stay tuned at the conclusion of today's episode. We have some really important announcements and some promos for different podcasts that have supported and promoted real life, real crime, the podcast. So if y'all stay tuned at the end of the episode and I appreciate it. So this episode hit a lick y'all. It's really sad and it goes to prove my point of what I've always said that prisons are full of dumb criminals. It's hard to catch a smart criminal, but most criminals are just fucking stupid. And I'm going to tell you about a case today that's tragic because of the loss of life. But the stupidity of the people involved is just astounding. I'm going to start the episode. Hit a lick. On May 5th, 2005 in Walker, Louisiana. And I know I can't seem to get away from the city of Walker, right? Lately in the stories, but... There's a reason for it, I guess. And Walker is a wonderful, wonderful place in a small town. It's a, kind of a 
a pretty good sized city nowadays. It's the second largest city in Livingston Parish, all grown up and developed. And I guess everybody leaving Baton Rouge is moving there. So it's not the small country town that it was in 1988 in the last story I told you about, or even 2005. I mean, it's grown so much. Now, in May of 2005, remember, I did another episode until Death Do Us Part, where Christopher Pell killed his wife. That was on April 5th. 2005 at the Popeyes in Walker, Louisiana. Well, this is just a month later. And what you have happening is there's a bunch of deadbeat punk teenagers that are sitting around and they got nothing to do, right? So there's there's six of them and they're sitting around and guess what? Poor, pitiful them. They're out of dope and they're out of money and the deadly combination of adding in the last fact is they are bored. So you have Hollis Michael Honeycutt, who's 19 years old, Wendy Dernan Varnado, who is 23 years old and is from Denham Springs, Jacob Jake Walker, who is from Denham Springs. Actually, they were at Walker's house, so they were in Denham Springs. They're not in Walker, the city yet. Matthew Williams, who's 19 years old from Denham Springs, and Ashley Posey, who's 19 years old from Denham Springs, and Stephen Durnham, who's 18 years old from Denham Springs, and Eric Pesh, who's 17 years old. Now, they're sitting around, and evidently, they've been getting high for a couple of days, right? And so they'd start discussing, you know, hey, you know what? I'm bored. And this sucks. I got no money. You know, we got no dope. And Eric Pesh and Ashley Posey start to discuss about going to hit a lick. All right. Now, let me tell you all something. That is street terminology for armed robbery. And I have three cases, this one included, that or murders that started out with some dumbass saying, let's go hit a lick, all right? And it's just pathetic. But if you ever hear somebody talking about hitting a lick, you better check yourself. So it's armed robbery, street term for take what somebody has by armed robbery. So they're sitting around talking about it, and Ashley Posey comes up with the idea of going to her uncle's house, who's Jimmy Jay Morris, who was 62 years old and lived in lot nine of the Big D trailer park in Walker, Louisiana, off of Highway 190. And the 190 is the major highway that runs through Walker besides the interstate. Now, Big D trailer park, it's not a Kathy Bernard's trailer park like I told you all about in other episodes, but it's the worst trailer park on that side of Livingston Parish. All right. But at least it has lots and parking areas and streets and stuff like that but it just riddled with crime and drug use and that's where walker police department had a lot of their problems from okay so christopher pell was the first murder that they had had in walker in like i think 17 years actually since the 1988 cold case that i told y'all about in last week's episode an ice ice cold killer all right so you go and then you have christopher pell who kills his wife which i told you about until death do us part and the conclusion of that and then they had another murder we'll talk about it later on but it happened in big d's trailer park and all this all happened within the span of a few months and remember they hadn't had one since 1988 before that so the Big D trailer park, if you will, was a hotbed or a cesspool of activity. Now, Mr. Morris was not a bad guy. He's not a drug dealer. He's not a criminal. He is a disabled man, and he's poor. There's nothing wrong with being poor. It doesn't make you a bad person. And unfortunately, he had to reside in the Big D trailer park because that's where, what he could afford. So Pesh and Posey are talking about going to hit a lick and Posey says we can go to my uncle Jimmy's and get him she said we went there yesterday and I stole pills from him and I know he has pills and he has money so they decide to go over there well neither one of these losers had a car so they got Steve Dernan who's another one of the ones who are hanging around in the trailer and he had a car 
or he had access to somebody's car. So they pile in it and they head towards Big D Trailer Park. Now, let's talk about the term uncle. In the South, we refer to people that are close family friends as aunt and uncle, even if there's no blood relation, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. My best friend, when my daughter is born, and her whole life, she's called him uncle. And even though he's not my brother, but that's just, I mean, it's aunt and uncle are used down here really as a term of respect and endearment and love or whatever. So Ashley Posey was not directly related to Mr. Moore, but evidently her family were good friends with Mr. Morris, and she had known him her entire life, and she called him Uncle, Uncle Jimmy. And he's just a disabled man living in a very, very small trailer in the Big Z trailer park. And she was over there the day before, and she stole some pills, and evidently he didn't know, but she stole pills, and she was like, I'm going to go over and hit the lick. Now, Earlier in the day, before they decided to go hit a lick, they were hanging out in the trailer, and Eric Pesh, who's 17 years old, is sitting around the residence with a pistol playing a Russian roulette. Okay, so, I mean, I guess we couldn't have been fortunate enough for him to blow his brains out playing Russian roulette, so he had to go and do what he's about to do. But, so... Posey knew that he had a pistol because Posey and Wendy Varnado, who were an item, if you will, they were lesbians and girlfriends, They Wendy made Posey leave earlier when Pesh was playing Russian roulette because she was afraid of what was going to happen. So anyway, Pesh has the gun, Dernan has the vehicle, and Posey has the connection through her uncle, and they're headed to Big D's trailer park. So when they get there, Dernan drops off Ashley Posey and Eric Pesh, and he goes to get some gas. And Pesh and Ashley Posey make their way to the trailer. And it's dark outside. This is not a well-lit place. I mean, it's a couple of streetlights or whatever. But she goes up to the door, and she knocks on the door. It's 10 o'clock at night. Knocks on the door. Boom, boom, boom. He's like, who is it? And she said, unk. It's Ashley. Let me in. Comes to the door and Ashley switches places with Eric Pesh, who's now standing in front of the door. And he said, who is it? And she said, uncle, it's Ashley. Let me in. So he opens the door and here you have Eric Pesh, who's playing Russian roulette earlier in the day. He's a loser. Ashley Posey, loser. And they think they're these criminal masterminds, right? So... Morris opens the door and Pesh goes to bum rush him and sugar turns to shit and bam, the pistol goes off. Or I should say Eric Pesh and his excitement to run in and rob Morris. He pulls the fucking trigger and shoots him one time in the head and then they ran like Bitches. They freaked out and they ran, then hauled ass back to the pickup point. Now, think about this. You are there. You're going to commit a robbery for dope and money. And you get the victim to open the door and you go to rush in and your excitement, you pull the trigger on your fucking pistol and you kill the guy. And then goes to show you what dumbasses they are. I mean, they didn't even complete the robbery, whatever. They just hauled ass. So a neighbor hears the gunshot and calls the police and the sheriff's office. They're all dispatched to the same thing. Walker Police Department was dispatched through the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. And so the 911 call goes in. A officer responds and they find Mr. Morris dead from a gunshot wound to the head, half in, half out of the doorway of his trailer senseless, stupid, stupid crime. Meanwhile, Ashley Posey and Pesh are picked up by Durnham, and they jump in the car, and Durnham later testifies that Pesh was freaked the fuck out, and he's screaming, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, and he said, what happened? And Posey said he, he shot him, he shot Uncle in the head, and then he's dead. So 
they're panicking. The masterminds that they are, they drive up north of Walker on 447 South. That's the name of the highway, Louisiana 447 South. And they pass one of the newer subdivisions that has uh, large ponds or small lakes in front of it They where they dig out the dirt to build these homes up on. And Pesh gets out and throws the pistol into the pond. And they get in the car and they go back to Walker's residence. And of course, they being the mastermind criminals they are, they tell everybody what happened and, and then everybody scatters. So it doesn't take long, y'all. The Detective Calvin Bowden, now he was lead on the case and we get the call and Calvin's up and he goes, this was a really busy time for us for some reason, but I remember Calvin going and then Calvin's a great guy. We worked uniform patrol together and then I made detective and Calvin made detective right behind me. And then we were partnered together on several big cases. And when I left the sheriff's office to go with Louisiana State Police, and I was the polygraph examiner also for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, Calvin would end up a couple of years later going on and becoming a polygraphist himself from the same school that I went to. I mean, he's a great guy, super, super smart, and nothing but mad respect for him. So it doesn't take him long. He's on it. He flips one of the kids that were in the house and finds out what happened. And then he goes and arrests Posey and Dernan, and he gets a warrant for Eric Pesh, who's still on the run. And then he takes the dive team. I believe it was the Killian Police Department dive team, their search and rescue underwater team, and they took them to the pond, and they were able to recover the pistol that was used to kill Morris. Now, the victim, Mr. Morris, autopsy was done, and he was definitely killed or murdered by one gunshot wound to the head. And we catch up with Pesh later on, and he was arrested also. But let's talk about what happened when Calvin arrests Ashley Posey. He brings her to the Livingston Parish Jail, and she confesses. Okay, to absolutely to doing it, etc. Now, this becomes important in a minute. I'm going to introduce you to someone who is an eyewitness to this and what happened. So it goes on, and the, the case goes through its usual challenges motions to suppress Posey's confession, and motions to suppress this, and whatever, whatever, right? The usual bullshit. Now, before trial comes, Eric Pesh is smart. They offer him 30 years for the murder of Morris, and he takes it. Steve Dernan, who was the driver of the vehicle, they offered him 20 years, and he took it. Ashley Posey, who is the one who not only provided the victim, she knocked on the door and got the victim to open the door. She knew they were going for an armed robbery. She knew Pesh had a gun because her girlfriend made her leave the house earlier in the day when Pesh is playing Russian roulette with a firearm, and she gives a full confession. Comes her trial time, and they offer her 20 years, and she said, go fuck yourself. I'm going to trial. Now, this is where, this is what blows my mind about the stupidity of criminals, and She's going to trial. She fucking confessed. And she's going to take this shit to trial because she doesn't want to plea out to 20 years. Now, she was young. She could have took the 20 years and been out of jail before she was 30 years old and been done with it. But no, she's going for second degree murder, the trial, and which means it's not guilty or you're going to get sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of ever being paroled. And she insisted on going to trial. All right, so I want to introduce y'all to someone who can shed a little more light on the profile and personality of Ashley Posey. Okay, y'all, so I'm going to introduce you to... Karen Ortolano, who is or was a career correctional officer, and she's now retired from Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. I know y'all have heard me talk about her in past episodes, but Karen was on the front line every day. She ran 
the parish president, right? Wardens came and, and left, but Karen was always the fixture. And so she knew everybody, et cetera. But I want to introduce you to her now. Say, Karen, say hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Karen, can you tell us a little bit about your career? Uh, I started off at LKIW, and um, I've been there for a couple of years, well, three or four years, and Willie was looking for a matron. And that's Willie Gray. Willie Gray. Yeah. He called me and he asked if I'd like to come in and interview for the job, and I went, and it was the best move I ever made. Right. Hey, Karen. Karen, can you tell me what a matron is? Tell our listeners what a matron is. Oh, matron does everything. We book, we bond, we give medication, we gave medication, we fed the inmates, we oversaw visitation, we oversaw trustees. You name it, we did it. Answered phone, push buttons, open doors, just everything that needs to be done, we did. And and y'all, so you understand, she's right there in what they could call the control center in the front of the prison. So she's in the middle of everything. Now, jail is not just jail. I mean, it's, jails are constantly busy places. You have inmates coming and going, being booked and being released, and you have court dates, and then you have People have to go to medical visits and all this stuff. So, I mean, every day, everybody that came or left from the detention center when Karen was on duty, she saw them or they passed at least through her visibility. Right, Karen? Oh, everybody. All right. We saw everybody. So, Karen, I'm, I'm doing an episode today, and um, I'm talking about Ashley Posey. Do, do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Okay, can you tell me what you, uh, in, in your experience, or, or what your history may have been with her, or, you know, in your own words? That Ashley was what I call a regular. She was in and out constantly. Um, we saw her maybe once a month, sometimes more, sometimes less, but she was in and out so much so that when they said they're bringing Ashley in, we, we didn't need a last name. We knew they were bringing in. Right, and so it just... Like charges, can you remember any of the basic type charges? Like drugs, disturbing the peace, just just mostly minor stuff. Uh, uh, we did have a, a thing where um, one of her girlfriend's parents pressed charges on her. They were trying to get to break them up, and they pressed charges on her. Then she was brought in on on something but I, I don't know the exact charge yeah i think that that girl was like 16 or something and, and they were yeah, uh, trying to do her do her, yeah for dating underage juvenile i actually remember that case from detectives so okay so hey karen so i'm just telling the listeners about the murder of mr morse and um ashley was arrested and brought into the jail and detective Calvin Bowden was the lead on the case. And when she brought it in, can you remember that night when she was brought in? Can you tell me what happened? Oh, I remember that night. Yeah. She, she came in. We had a, we used to keep the ladies in visitation. There was a big window and you could see from control into visitation. And we would put the females waiting to be booked in visitation. So we could keep a watch on them. And, I had gone into visitation to check, see what they were doing, just to check on. And Ashley said, Miss Karen, I need to speak to Michelle. And, and that would be Cheryl Smith. And she Cheryl. was our medical. Okay. And so I went and got Cheryl and brought Cheryl down. And Cheryl goes in there, and I'm standing at the door, and we call her Lovey, Ashley. They called her Lovey. Lovey, L-U-B-B-Y? Uh -huh. Yeah. L-O-V-E-Y. Okay, Lovey. Okay. And, and Lovey said, Lovey said, the Cheryl, you know that man that, that got killed in Walker? And Cheryl said, yes. I know, I know who you're talking about. She said, we did it. I was walking out the door. I couldn't believe I was like, oh, my God, she did not say that. <laughs> it, <laughs> I was... Did, I, was, I was like, oh my God. And Karen, it kind of, I mean, I, I had never heard anybody confess like that. Yes, yeah, to murder, right? And and, and that. Yeah, just out of the blue. 
it goes to my point, and I was telling the listeners earlier that prisons are full of dumb criminals. I mean, it's hard to catch a smart one, but prisons are full of dummies, right? I mean, for her just to say that unsolicited uh, is crazy. But let me ask you this. What, what do you think her level of intoxication or sobriety was? Or what, what, I mean, you've been doing, you probably have seen more drunk and high people oh. than anybody on the face of the earth, right? She knew, Being the matron. She knew who I was. She knew who I was, Miss Karen. She wanted to speak to Miss Cheryl. When Cheryl came in, she knew Miss Cheryl. I mean, she she probably been doing some she probably been smoking some dope. Yeah. But she wasn't tweaking. She wasn't uh, she wasn't that high. But, but, uh, so, in your your opinion, you have probably seen a hundred thousand people to, uh, in different states of intoxication. Was she too impaired to to know what she was saying when she said oh, no. we, we killed him or, or we did that? No, yeah, no, she knew what she was saying. Yeah, she, uh, like I said, you know, I've seen her come in a lot higher, but. She, uh, I've seen her come in where she was passed out in the back of a car and they had to drag her in. Uh, but she, you know, she's passed out in the parking lot and they arrested her and they had to drag her in to get her in, in jail. Yeah. But she was walking and talking and she knew who we were. Right. She knew where she was. She knew she was in jail. She knew she was in visitation waiting to be booked. Right, right. So, Karen, the... And you dealt with her a long time. Do you remember anything else? And I had, I didn't ask you this uh, before we started recording, but like her waiting on the trial. I know you were there through the trial and everything else, but do you remember that she ever say anything about uh, why she went to trial or anything? I mean, I just don't get it. No, nobody got it. I mean, you, you get off for 20 years after you confessed. Right, which really was a first degree murder. Could be, could have been the death penalty because it was commission of an armed robbery, you know. And probably, probably somebody told, "Oh, they're not going to do you anything." And she listened to somebody, and that happens a lot. You get people in jail who think they know the system, and they're going to tell you, "Oh, do this, do that." You, you, and it's the complete you, opposite of what you should do. Yeah, your jailhouse lawyers, basically, right? Exactly. So, okay. And they, they don't they don't know the law. They just think they do. Yeah. Well, they they somebody. I'm sorry, y'all. That's my phone beeping. The uh, well, she shouldn't have listened to him, evidently. But she shouldn't have listened to him, evidently. And you know that I appreciate your input on it. But uh, and I'm gonna tell the the listeners, what happens now uh, through the appeals process, et cetera. There's probably the one of the most ridiculous appeals I've ever seen in my entire career. But what her, the mainstay of her appeal was, she was too intoxicated to knowingly give um, the statement to Calvin and Cheryl Smith. So, but you overheard it yourself. I mean, and, and you knew her. You knew her better probably than anybody uh, other outside of her family. Now, doesn't she have a twin brother? She has a twin brother, Ashley, um, another one of my revolving door inmates. Right. In and out, in and out. Right. Okay. Uh, it, you know, you kind of feel sorry for, for, for these kids. I, you know, it's almost like they never had a chance. Yeah. The whole, the whole family just in and out. Right, and they didn't just start when they turned an adult. I know, I know they'd been locked, oh, no. locked up as kids several times in Florida Parish's juvenile detention center. So, I mean, it's it's not like to the listener out there, it's not like they hit seventeen and just decided to become criminals. They they had been doing stupid shit their entire lives. A lot of times, they come into the jail and they're surprised when they're seventeen. They come into jail. They don't realize. At 17, you go to big boy jail. That's right. You're not going to juvenile anymore. That's right. A lot of them don't realize that. They think, oh, I'm not 18. Yeah. Well, that's a, a rude awakening for them. And, uh, you know, so. But thank you, uh, Karen. I appreciate it. Y'all, I'm going I'm to be using... 
caring more on episodes, especially to give us some insight on the bad guys or the bad girls, because she dealt with them every single day. And we have some great cases coming up uh, that, that she has some invaluable insight on. And she's also, if y'all have heard me talk about her, uh, Karen is a chief researcher for Real Life Real Crime, and she comes up with the best stuff. <laughs> um, so thank you for your time, Karen, and, and I appreciate you. Okay? Okay, y'all. And so Ashley Posey goes to trial and it is absolutely a slam dunk. I mean, she gave the confession to Detective Calvin Bowden and the nurse in the jail, Cheryl Smith. Not only that, Karen Ortolano, the matron, heard her say it. I mean, what is your thought process, Ashley Posey? And Karen reminded me that they called her Lovey, L-O-V-E-Y. But she was a frequent flyer, always in the jail. But I just don't ever understand. They offer you 20 years and you're like, "Mm, fuck it, I'm going to trial. Take that shit to trial. So she goes, and the trial doesn't last long at all. It's a no-brainer. The witnesses testify and then have our own confession, et cetera. I mean, I just don't get what your thought process is so naturally she's found guilty second degree murder sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of probation or parole now her stupidity does not end there okay she goes in and she files the dumbest reasons for appeals one of the dumbest that that i've ever heard in my career and she challenges it on like eight different things and some of them are so ludicrous i'm not even going to read to you But one I do want to read to you and talk to you about is the confession. She challenges, she raises on appeal that her confession could not be taken because she was too intoxicated to give the confession. Bullshit. So that's when Karen Ortolano, the matron of the jail, she knew Lovey. She or Ashley Posey. She's seen her on every level of intoxication from where they literally had to drag her out of the back of the cop car and put her in a holding cell because she's passed out to hear it on Karen's statement when she went to check on her in the room. And she tells Cheryl, yeah, we did it. We did the murder, right? And then she goes in and gives the full confession. She may have been a little bit intoxicated, but she's awake. She knows where she is. She's not slurring her words, anything like that. So she actually challenges the confession on appeal. And I don't get it. And so that was denied. Also, she challenged it on saying that she had no way of knowing that that Pesh was going to kill the victim, Morris. And now, bullshit. It doesn't matter if you have knowledge that he's going to kill him or not. Dear, in Louisiana, un, under the revised statute for homicide, if you kill someone during the commission of a robbery, then it is, at the very least, second-degree murder, and you can't be charged with first-degree murder. And, and it doesn't matter if you're the dude driving the car who dropped them off and you went to get gas, Mr. Dernan, or if you're Ashley Levy Posey and you knock on the door and say, hey, uncle, and you're using your family's lifelong relationship with the guy to get him to open the door so Pesh can go in and rob him. She said, no, you can't find me guilty of this because I didn't know uh, he was going to be robbed. Well, fuck you. You said hit a lick, hit a lick, street terminology on Robbie. Let's go hit a lick on my uncle. He's got cash. He's got pills. We go hit a lick. Now, it's not Ashley Posey's fault that Eric Pesh is a dumbass. And when Morris opens the door, Sugar turns to shit and he pulls the trigger and killed him. But it's her fault that Pesh is even there. So, I mean, she challenges and says, no, you can't prove that I had any part of the murder. I mean, bullshit. I don't know who the fuck her lawyer was, but he really, really needs to be disbarred. Evidently, Dernan's defender, or I don't know if it was a public defender or a private attorney, got him a good deal at 20 years for for driving the car, because guess what? He never got out, Ashley Posey. He never got out of the car. He didn't go get his uncle to open the door so he could be robbed, et cetera. But he drove y'all over there, and he knew about it, so he could have got life. And he took 20 years. Pesh, 
takes 30 years. Evidently, he had a better lawyer than you also. He could have got life. He'll be out in 15 years. He was 17 years old when it happens. At 37 years old, he'll be out walking the streets, and he still has a chance at a life. You, Ashley Posey, are a dumbass, and you should have took the 20 years, but you bucked it up. I'll never understand why. I, I mean, I just don't get it. You bucked it, and you got your life, and you challenged the confession, denied. You challenged that you knew it was going to be a murder, et cetera, denied. And y'all, of the eight different things that she challenged, the stupidest part, it's called errors, y'all. She's saying that, that the court made it errors, and there's eight different things that she charges. And I'm not going to read them to you because they're just ridiculous. But you want to hear what the dumbest part of it is? She files her appeal late. She misses the deadline by like a long shot. They have a certain time that they can file the appeals in. She misses it. Hello, you're in prison. You ain't got shit else to do. I mean, how the fuck do you miss your appeals deadline? So the court read the stuff anyway. They didn't have to. And this is not a lawyer deal. This is an Ashley Posey mistake because she actually filed an affidavit stating that she did it and she put it in an outgoing mailbox by such and such date. Well, it's not true. It wasn't stamped. Didn't go out, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. Prisons are full of dumb criminals, y'all. And I'm going to conclude it because I don't really have anything else to say about it other than the stupidity level is just off the charts. Poor Mr. Morris killed because Ashley Lovey Posey got him to open the door. And Eric Pesh, who's been playing Russian roulette all day long, pulled the trigger the one time on accident when he's trying to rush into the door and, and kill that man. And then he's gone for 30 years. And then Dernan gone for 20 for driving the car. I mean, whatever. Dumbass criminals. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Real Life, Real Crime. Again, y'all, it's just me telling the stories and that we have the firsthand knowledge of. And you got to hear from Karen Ortolana today. And I hope you enjoyed that as she brings an insight to these people. I only saw the bad guys or bad girls on the outside, right? And then in the courtroom, Karen saw them every day. And she told you about Posey's personality and how she's what we call a frequent flyer, meaning she got arrested like every other day. And she was always there. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. And that's going to conclude the episode of Hit. A lick and Ashley Posey on the sphincter scale. I have to give her a solid eight, uh, eight and a half because she set the guy up. I, did, I don't think that she ever intended to go over there. I know she didn't intend to go over there and murder the dude. I mean, Pesh just was a little bitch and panicked when the guy opened the door and pulled the trigger. But the law is the law. And she went over there to rob him and he got killed. And that's why she got life. So, I'm giving her eight, eight and a half, something like that on the sphincter scale. If it was a dumb ass scale, she'd be murdered by you for just being dumb, 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 dumb. So that concludes it. And till next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. All right, y'all. I told you at the beginning. We're going to do some shout outs, et cetera, and this is where we're going to do it. I want to first say thank you to all our fans and listeners. Today, we passed 125,000 downloads in 96 countries from around the world, and then our listeners are known as lifers, and we love you, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Can't get enough of you, and I love it. I uh, love watching the numbers. I love the comments y'all are doing. Patron members, you know we love you. We're fixing to put up another Big episode, which is me interviewing Karen Ortolano about her career and each of the bad guys and girls that we featured in season one. She's going to give her own personal perspective on them. So you need to check it out. If you're not a patron member, you can go to patron.com forward slash real life, real crime, or go to our website www.realliferealcrime.com and the link to Patreon is on there. And also our merchandise store, y'all. We have all the new shirts with the sayings on the back, like he ran like a bitch or our little bitch and sugar turns and shit, etc. Y'all asked for them. We provided it. And 
just you're the best, absolute best fans in the world. And I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Don't forget our social media, the regular Real Life Real Crime Facebook page. Then we have the one that I'm so fond of, Real Life Real Crime Friends, Fans, and Crew, which is run by our Dream Team moderators. If you like Real Life Real Crime, go to this page, request to be admitted, and our moderators, the Dream Team, We'll check you out and get you approved. We're about to hit 1,300 members in that group, and it's only a couple months old. And the whole Real Life Real Crime, we're only four months old, right? And we, of course, have the Real Life Real Crime Lanyap page, and that's where our fans can go and post things about what they like, whether it's hobbies or cooking, et cetera. Now, we started, another one of our Dream Team moderators started a Real Life Real Crime cookbook and we're taking submissions for recipes and they're going to all the the recipes that make the cookbook will be named some type of criminal name or play on words in their title and that should be out before christmas it's going to be awesome so just head over to the lanyap page on facebook check that out then we have Instagram and Twitter, which I still don't know anything about. So if y'all message me on there, God bless you. I mean, I, I check it out, but I know we have a bunch of followers and stuff. And I just not real up to date on that, but I'm trying in YouTube. Our YouTube channel is really growing. It's real life, real crime podcast. You go to YouTube to the search engine space and you type in real life, real crime podcast. And it has every one of our episodes plus uh, lots of videos that we've uploaded of myself and some of our promo man, Ryan Horan, who does cooking videos, etc. And we're going to continue to add more content there. So if you want to put a face with the name to Real Life Real Crime, you can go and watch some of our videos on there. Subscribe to it. And y'all, we love and appreciate each and every one of you. And if you can't be a patron member. That's okay. I love you. It's just, if, if you would just keep doing what you're doing, liking us, sharing us, recommending us and subscribe to us on wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, hit the subscribe button to the show for real life, real crime. And check this out. If you leave a review wherever you listen and uh, particularly on iTunes, I mean, we're up in, in, high 200s i think on reviews now i would really appreciate if you leave a review almost all our reviews are super positive and we love them there's a couple that aren't and whatever you're going to have that but i don't think i've been big on asking for reviews before but i'd like to see it because i get a lot of fans that send me messages about how they love it and et cetera, et cetera. direct message and it's if y'all to take the time, and I know it takes time, but take the time, leave us a review. It'll help out the show and watch us grow, baby. Watch us grow. We're on fire. And it's because of y'all, you lifers, you rock. Now I want to introduce y'all to three different podcasts who are all supporters of real life, real crime. They have promoted us on their shows so I want to take a moment and give them some acknowledgement. And then we're going to run their promos as we go. And the first one is Dark, Dark World by Jordan. This week, I spent an hour recording a interview with Jordan. He re- actually, he interviewed me for Dark, Dark World. And it's going to be released sometime next month, he told me. And what a fantastic guy. And look, check this show out. It's very well done, and I've gotten to listen to several episodes now, and this this guy's got it going on. You watch how big he's going to end up being. So without further ado, is our buddy and our friend and pal, Jordan, with Dark, Dark World. Hi there. I'm the host of a new true crime podcast called Dark, Dark World. With Dark, Dark World, we explore lesser-known killers and crimes. Stories that have slipped between the cracks of the mainstream true crime consciousness. My name is Jordan Crittenden. Join me as I explore this dark, dark world by subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, y'all, the next one is called California Dreaming. It is hosted by Miss Roseanne Stoltz. 
and she is a dear. She promoted us and said some nice things about real life, real crime. Now, listen, I listened to her one of her episodes before she promoted us, and it was about one of the guys that's on the FBI's most wanted list and has been for a whole lot of years. I mean, what a fantastic show. So, Rosanna, really enjoy your work. I think you're doing great stuff, and we appreciate you being a fan of real life, real crime. And I'm going to introduce y'all now to Miss Rosanna Stoltz, California. I'm Roseanne, host of the California Dreaming Podcast, a true crime show that delves into the darker side of California. Join me each week as we take a tour of the beautiful beaches, majestic mountain ranges, expansive deserts, and soaring redwoods to discover some of the most chilling, fascinating, and depraved criminal acts that have taken place across the state. You can find California Dreaming on all of your favorite podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can visit our website at www.orbitaljigsaw.com and click on the show's link to find hours and hours of true crime tales from the Golden State. Thank you and sweet dreams. Okay, y'all, and that is California. Give it a listen. If you like it, subscribe and let them know that real life, real crime, the podcast and Woody Overton sent you. I just want to make a mention of a couple more friends of real life, real crime podcast. And these have run us repeatedly and we've already promoted them and they keep running our promo again and again. And we really appreciate it. And I want to tell you about it. one is which murderer and that's Gemma and Holly. That's the Canadian and the Scott. I think are really super cool accents, but they do their podcast and they cover a murderer in whatever different field it is every week. Like if it's a like if it's a workplace murderer, Gemma will do her story, then Holly will do hers, and at the end of it, they vote on which one they if if that murderer was to kill them, which murderer would they want to do it? So really unique twist, interesting show. Hey, Jim and Holly, we love y'all. Real life, real crime, and we appreciate you for supporting us. Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Gemma. And together we are the co-hosts of the podcast Witch Murderer. Each week we discuss two murders and we try and focus more on the victim's perspective. Oh my God, that's not who I thought was going to die. <laughs> Let's just blame it all on Tom Cruise. Yeah, I'm just, math stumps me at every turn, <laughs> even in dismemberment. We all know she was cut in half. He had projectile pooped. Oh no. The entire room. Planet. Will they ever get along? God damn it. Fucking get along, eat an ice cream cone. <laughs> you're gonna make so many enemies and I love it. How many times do I have to say, if you're gonna murder people, don't keep a don't fucking keep diary. A diary? Don't keep a diary. I really didn't want to be frozen to death. When were you born, honey? No, I'm not telling you. I don't like the thought of somebody who's selling ice cream being that angry inside. And then we have ourselves a little debate at the end about which murderer we would want to kill us if we had to choose. If we had to choose. It's a game of which would you rather. Exactly. And if you fancy playing that along with us, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, You can also listen to us on Audioboom and our website, witchmurderer.com. And you can always get in contact with us at Twitter and Instagram at witchmurderer and also witchmurderer at gmail.com. So hopefully you'll be listening to us soon. Bye. Goodbye. And one more, the boondocks, bad in the boondocks, right? And then there's our buddies from South Carolina, and they run us, and y'all, you got to go listen to it. They're up-and-comers, and they're funny, but tell really good stuff, really good stories, kind of like what we do here, real life, real crime, uh, local. Well, some of them are famous cases, but some of them local stuff that you haven't heard of, and they're funny. And, and you know, I usually don't like the banner back and forth stuff on podcasts, but these guys have it going on, and we appreciate y'all supporting real life, real crime. So y'all go give Bad in the Boondocks a listen also. Hey, I'm Stan. And I'm Drew. And we are your hosts of Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks is a fresh take on true crime podcasts. 
We are a father and son team from way back in the sticks of South Carolina. Yeah, in a town of less than 500. And we have a shared passion for all things true crime. So, every Saturday, we get together and swap stories about a true crime event. We try and find the most twisted and vile losers of our human race. Now, you won't hear a lot of endless banner on Bad and Boondocks. But what you will hear is all the unedited facts on the cases we choose, no matter how gory or troublesome they are. And you'll hear it all with a unique southern flair. And along the way, you'll hear just the right amount of discussion and jokes to keep you and us from completely losing your mind. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya, and CastBox. Or just go to badintheboondocks.com and download all of our episodes there. So, come on down to the boondocks and get your redneck on with us. We promise, you'll have a good time. And that's it. I'm not going to take any more of your time. I love each and every one of you, and I appreciate you. And thank you for tuning in to Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Until next time, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Wendy, what you listening to? Oh, hey, Beth. I've just become obsessed with true crime. But I am wondering, you know, you being the OG of true crime and everything, if there are any true crime stories out there about people of color or minorities. There are. I'm obsessed with true crime, too. And it's true. Not all serial killers are white dudes. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> That's right. Not all serial killers are white. Or, get this, even dudes. Stop. And you know what? Fruit Loose Serial Killers of Color is a podcast all about them. That's right. We take deep dives into the lives and crimes of people of color and their victims that the news leaves out because, well, the news is racist, allegedly. Ever heard of Swift Runner? The Dating Game Killer? The Taco Bell Strangler? Or La Mata Viejitas? Well, if you want to hear about them and other true crime stories about people of color, women, LGBTQ, and any other minorities, then listen and subscribe to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color wherever you get your podcasts. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Mm-hmm. New episodes drop every Thursday. So look alive, guys. It's crazy out there.